Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Sports Virus Podcast, everybody. I'm Joe Castellano. We're brought to you, as always, by Kane's Tire in San Rafael, California, offering the lowest prices in Marin County for over 60 years. Well, today's guest is Ray Woodson, who comes on frequently to talk Bay Area sports. And here's the conversation that we had on Tuesday, February the 7th. Well, Ray, let's start with the fact that you're in Arizona and the Super Bowl is there, the Chiefs and the Eagles. Can't wait to watch it. Uh, is there a, a buzz around the area? Because not only do you have the Super Bowl, but you also have a golf tournament. The, the Waste Management Golf Tournament is also set to begin. Yeah, Sunday's going to be fun. <laughs> Final <laughs> round of the Waste Management, and uh, uh, they've got it timed you know, so it ends before the Super Bowl begins. Of course, if they go into a playoff, that's another matter. But, yeah, it's going to be nuts on Sunday. Uh, we're up uh, in the northwest part of the valley, so we kind of stay clear of everything. I'm starting to see a little red, a little green, little Chiefs uh, colors and Eagles colors coming in now. Uh, you'll, you'll see that as the, the week goes on. Certainly in the local media, there's tremendous buzz. And uh, Glendale is about a oh, 25-minute drive. The stadium's about a 25-minute drive for our house. So believe me, we're going to stay clear of all that mess on Sunday. <laughs> I like the Chiefs. I just think that Mahomes is a lot better than Hurts, although you know he's not really 100% after everything that happened with his ankle. But I just like the Chiefs. I don't know that it's going to be a blowout. Uh, and I wasn't that impressed with the Eagles against the 49ers. I really just felt they won that game because of the circumstances the 49ers ran into. Uh, what do you think of the matchup? Well, your defense is always going to look good when the other team doesn't have a quarterback. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, but listen, they, I mean, their pass rush is tremendous. Would they have yeah. like 70 sacks this year? Yeah, they're so, really good on both lines, yeah. Yeah, so is is the ankle for Mahomes going to be sound enough where he can escape just enough, right, to, to either gain a few yards on a scramble or look downfield? Uh, I think that's going to be the whole key. If it's sound enough, I think the Chiefs beat him. Uh, I, I think that, you know, this is one of those cases where the public has been going for the Eagles, and I, I tend to be a contrarian. <laughs> uh, I to be honest, I haven't seen the odds today, so I don't, I don't know for sure, but it seems like all the buzz is about the Eagles, and they had a tremendous year, no doubt about it. But I think in this game, given the Chiefs' tremendous experience, and, uh, you know, Hurts having much less experience than Mahomes, it's going to be a big factor. Yeah, I think unless they make a lot of mistakes or they have an injury. And you know, speaking of the injury, and we touched on it, uh, having Brock Purdy go out, the way he was playing, I mean, you just had a lot of confidence in the way the 49ers were playing because they had that winning streak coming into the NFC Championship. Uh, a lot was expected there, and then he gets hurt. Uh, what did you think about the way Purdy played? Because he surprised everybody. And, and how about the situation going forward? Because uh, it hasn't been decided yet whether or not he'll have surgery, and it's going to be interesting next year to see what happens with him and Trey Lance and what the 49ers decide there. Yeah, so many unknowns there. I mean, Purdy was tremendous. What can you say? He got into the NFC Championship game, and, you know, if, if he'd have been healthy, they'd have had a puncher's chance. Um, you know, he... The thing about Purdy was, and this is what you hope for in a young quarterback, that the mistakes they make are not disastrous ones. And he didn't make a lot of those mistakes to begin with. No. The, ones that he, the ones that he made were not killers. He had a couple of close calls, you know, in a couple of games. 
But, I mean, look what he did. He, he comes in and beats the Dolphins. Then he takes down Tom Brady. Then he beats the Seahawks in Seattle in the playoffs. Uh, he checked off almost all the boxes. Uh, so it, it's a shame we didn't get to see him play that entire game in, in Philadelphia. Uh, I certainly think it would have been a different story. But uh, you, you can't say enough about how the kid learned the offense and you know won the trust of his teammates and won that locker room. So, to me, he's got the inside track. Of course, it all depends on how the surgery goes, how the recovery goes, when is he going to be back? Is it going to be in the middle of uh, training camp? Is it going to be early in training camp? Is it going to be late in training camp? Is it going to be at the start of the regular season? So that's why you have to have Trey Lance get all the reps in the spring. And I, so in that way, I guess it's okay because Lance needs reps coming back from his injury and looks like he's about ready to go. Uh, you know, you, you drafted this guy pretty high. You gave up some draft picks to get him uh, as the third overall pick. You want to see what he can do. And I, I sure wish that they would uh, make the emphasis be on uh, passing from the pocket, that he's not a battering ram anymore, okay? Yeah. Uh, because, uh, you know, this, this last season should, should put that in cement for Kyle Shanahan. Uh, you've got to protect these quarterbacks. I don't know. Maybe they got to have five of them, <laughs> so they're, they're ready for next year. Because you know it's it's dangerous enough being a pocket passer. The thing about Purdy was, uh, you know, when he had to run, he showed pretty good escapability, decent speed. He did enough. That's all you want, really. Uh, what you want him to be is competent from the pocket, and Purdy certainly was that. That's what I want to see out of uh, Lance: growth as a pocket passer. And so he'll get that opportunity, at least in the spring, to, to do that and to, to know the offense better. I mean, and it hasn't been all his fault. He's had a couple of challenges, you know, injury-wise in the first couple of years and just hasn't gotten on the field. And the other thing is, you know, now Purdy has far more NFL experience than Lance does. And they came into the NFL with Purdy having far more experience than Lance did. Yeah. I mean, he played... He played, what, four times as many snaps in college as Lance did. Yeah. So, you know, they, they took kind of a, a flyer on Lance to begin with based on one spectacular season, and then look at, look at all that happened. So it's, you know, it, 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 it's not an exact parallel, but it reminds me of the James Wiseman situation with the Warriors. So many challenges thrown in the way of a high draft pick, and you can't see what he can do. And um, in Wiseman's case, he needs to play. So he's going down to Santa Cruz. Lance needs to get on the field, and he needs the reps. So we don't have, when we're not going to have any clarity in this situation until August, probably late August. But all things being equal, to me, if, if Purdy comes back and he's healthy and he already knows his offense and show what he can do, uh, he's got the inside track. Yeah, absolutely. I agree there. Uh, and we'll get more into Wiseman later on in the podcast. But do you think, Ray, after what happened with the 49ers, that maybe the NFL needs to be a little more proactive to not have that situation again. And what I mean by that is, yeah, we're protecting quarterbacks more than ever before in the NFL. But to get to that point 
where you have two quarterbacks that go down and you're in the NFC Championship and you got a quarterback who can't even throw the ball. I, I don't know that you want to get yeah. there. It seems like maybe you open up another quarterback spot on the roster, another emergency spot. I mean, it's kind of like what I think of in baseball when you have position players pitching. You should never get to that point as a league. Ne- never mind a team, but just as a league because it's embarrassing for the sport. What do you think? Well, yeah, and then, you know, your third guy gets injured and then you're still in the same situation. I guess that's when you have to ask, what's the limit? What's the yeah, number? What's true. the real <laughs> number? Uh, I, I guess you could you could allow one more. I mean, that would seem to be fair enough. Uh, you know, and I should say, I mentioned Purdy not playing the whole game. Well, yeah, he did come back and play, but he couldn't throw the ball. Right. And, you know, it's just pretty ridiculous. And, you know, there's a reason they protect quarterbacks in the NFL because the top-flight guys – are the guys that people turn on the TV to see. You know, the top echelon quarterbacks are tremendous, but there's quite a drop-off from the top guys to the backup guys. That's why they're backups. And so uh, when you get in that situation where you get into the third stringer, the quality of play suffers greatly. Uh, And so we saw that with the 49ers. They were just totally hamstrung. Uh, You know, Johnson did lead them on a touchdown drive, uh, thanks to that tremendous uh, touchdown run by McCaffrey. But other than that, he... And, you know, the mistake he made at the end of the half was the absolute killer, uh, not paying attention when the ball was snapped to him. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, and, and is that due to not being able to play? I don't know. There, there might have been some miscommunication there, and that's what happens when you get the backups in there. But I would think that, uh, yeah, you, you'd at least allow one more uh, to reduce the chances of that ever happening again. We'll have more with Ray Woodson and talk about the Warriors and the Giants right after this. When it's time for new tires, you want the lowest prices and the best service, don't you? Well, Kane's Tire in San Rafael has you covered on both. Kane's has the lowest prices in Marin County, and they provide the warm and welcoming service that you can only receive from a family-run business. Voted Best of Marin for 35 years in a row, Kane's prices beat Costco's prices every time. Kane's Tire, 1531 4th Street in San Rafael. Give him a call at 415-453-2942. That's 415-453-2942 for Kane's Tire. Let's switch gears and talk about the Warriors. You mentioned James Wiseman and the trade deadline is coming up in a couple of days on Thursday. And there is speculation about, you know, maybe the Warriors move on from Wiseman and trade him. Maybe they don't. They keep him. How much do you play him going down the stretch and into the playoffs? Uh, it's, a, it's an interesting question. It's not an easy one for Steve Kerr to answer, right? Or Bob Myers. Yeah, or Bob or Myers, Michael. right. Yeah. Um, you know, the thing is, when you start talking about uh, the Warriors – uh, ready to move on from Wiseman, just the fact that they're talking about that reduces his value. You know, you're already saying that guy isn't that valuable to this franchise, and it's time maybe to move on from him. And when you're saying that, other teams are saying, hmm, okay, yeah. well, I'm not, I'm not going to give you that much in return. <laughs> you know, so I, I question how much a Wiseman or Moody brings that's going to make a big difference to the Warriors. If they could get a, you know, a veteran wing, a, a rebounder, a, th- a three and defense guy, I think that would help them. Um, you know, and that way you're not playing, say, Lamb quite as much. He's had his moments this year, but, uh, you know, that's, that's one of the areas coming off the bench that's been a real drop-off. Uh, I think it's, this is the Otto Porter Appreciation Podcast. <laughs> you know, he, 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 he did a pretty good job coming yeah, off the did. bench. Yeah, he had some he had some big shots in the postseason, 
and of course Gary Payton the second. I think they really, really, really miss him. Uh, so that you know the, the bench isn't as good, and that's been one of their problems this year, and one reason why uh, they've struggled on the road because they always say this, and I think it's true: the role players play better at home. They go on the road and they shrink a little bit, especially when they're young. And the Warriors were hoping these young guys would step up, guys like Kaminga and Moody and Wiseman. And it just hasn't happened on a consistent basis. And I think they, I think they're of a mind that they want to hang on to Kaminga anyway because he's got such an intriguing skill set. But uh, it comes down to what are they going to get for these other guys that people keep on mentioning? And they're limited on the number of first-round picks they can trade as well in, in the next few years. So I think they're kind of boxed in here, unfortunately. Uh, maybe some team is, is going to be looking at these two, two young players and saying, okay, well, we can work with them, and we'll give up a little bit more than I'm thinking a team is willing to give up. I might be surprised. I don't know, but I just don't see it happening. I can't trade Kaminga. I mean, I know that teams no. are probably going to ask about him. They're definitely going to ask about him, but, I mean, he, he looks like he's improving. He's, his ceiling is so high, Ray. I, I mean, yeah. he, he's pretty exciting, uh, you know, not only the way that he could drive to the basket, the way he's just so comfortable shooting the basketball. It looks like he's only going to get better, and, you know, he's only going to get better defensively, I would think. Yeah, he had that one game a couple nights ago where he made, what, four or five threes in a row. And, uh, you know, it, it, before it was like, Okay, if he's open, shoot it. Hey, he made it. <laughs> you know, but you know that was that was pretty interesting to see him actually shoot a heat check three. <laughs> you know, the, so, so that's a little bit of growth, and that's going to really expand his game if he can be somewhat reliable from three point range. But yeah, his ceiling is pretty high, and that's the guy I want to hang on to among all those young players. And you know, conversely, other teams are saying, "Well, we'll give you this guy, but we really like Kaminga as part of the deal." So that's that's part of the problem here. I, w- I would be more inclined to hold on to Kaminga than Wiseman at this point. I'm not really sure where it's going to go with Wiseman. It's, and again, it's not all his fault, but his development has been uh, it's been in fits and starts. So uh, you, you don't get to see the real potential of this guy. Hey, he could go somewhere else and get playing time and blossom. Uh, and, and maybe that's the way this is going to play out. Uh, but right now on this team, where they want to win now, they're not trusting him with any valuable minutes. You know, they trust Kaminga more. Absolutely. Uh, it's going to be a real test for this team, too, in the next few weeks without Steph Curry. You always wonder who's going to step up. And Clay Thompson definitely did against Oklahoma City on Monday uh, 42 points, 12 three pointers. You know, he's getting close to the record. Uh, they're not always going to get that every night. I think what they really need, Ray, is more consistency from Jordan Poole because. He has yeah. the ability. He's He's got it. It's just a matter of, I don't know if it's focus or what it is because, you know, there are games where he just, he, he turns the ball over too much or he's way off on his shot or whatever it is, but he has the ability. I just would like to see more consistency. Well, I'd like to see more of what we saw last night. Yeah. If he could get that guy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A, a dozen, what was it? A dozen assists, I think. Yeah. No, he was a facilitator. They were calling him point pool, <laughs> you know, in, uh, and I was looking at Clay, and uh, yeah, he was on fire last night, and he wasn't taking a whole lot of contested shots. You know, there were a couple of pump fakes, but most of those shots are, yeah, take that. You know, he's had a tendency to force some shots uh, coming back. Uh, that wasn't the case last night. And when he's open like that, hell yeah, shoot. And, you know, he's, he still can be deadly. Uh, you know, maybe not on as a consistent basis as he was before, but I, I think they, they, they've 
stumbled onto something here with Poole, that he can be that facilitator because he's so quick off the dribble. And, yeah, he's going to turn the ball over. Yeah, guess what? Steph Curry does, too, from time to time. Yeah. So uh, if he can be that facilitator and collapse the defense, he can create some space for guys like Clay. And I think it's, it's Poole and Wiggins who have to show up now. They're the guys who really have to show up. I think, they, I think Poole can create some opportunities for Clay, some space for him. He certainly had that last night. And when he gets that going, he makes a couple early. Look out. And, and he did make a few early and kept them in the game because they got off to a slow start. So uh, I, I think that's, that's what they're looking at with Poole. Uh, he was um, being more selective with his shots. He was, he was facilitating. He got Clay going. And then later on, Poole was looking for a shot. Uh, so that, that, did, that to me, uh, showed a little bit of maturity on what he knew he had to do to help the team. It's not going to be like that every game. But, you know, more of that guy, more of, you know, that role, I think they can get by a few games without Steph. And I think that they're, what, 7-5 and five without him so far this season? Yeah, it's if not they, bad. Yeah, if they can keep up that kind of pace for a few more games, uh, they can keep above water. And when he comes back, maybe they can go on a run and get to the fifth or fourth seed. And, you know, the, I mean, the way it is, depending on the time of the day, they either – a fifth or a sixth or a seventh or an eighth or a ninth seed because it's it's been so great and that's the good news right uh, at any hour of the day they could be a fifth sixth seventh eighth or ninth seed they have a chance to move up here and to get a playoff position but they're also as close to being out of the play-in game so it's been a crazy kind of year like that dallas got Kyrie, uh, denver's playing real well uh so and, and the Clippers are, are, are playing better. They're getting healthier, healthier, and the Suns are going to get healthier with Booker coming back. So it ain't going to be easy. No. So they, they, this little stretch without Steph is critical for them, and maybe then they, they create a little distance from the 500 mark and they get into a playoff spot and not just a play-in game. That's really what I want to see out of them because if they get into a guaranteed playoff spot, I'm going to tell you this right now. As many troubles as they've had this year with the bench, with the, the free throw disparity, the turnover disparity, the rebounding disparity, uh, and the fact that their core is older, uh, it, it, all these things are legitimate concerns. But you get them in the playoff in a series, uh, they're still a threat because no team out there, no group of players, uh, as opposed to the Warriors' core, has more playoff experience and more success in the playoffs. And, and when you have that institutional knowledge and, and that background in your mind and you know what you can do down the stretch, that's pretty powerful. And I, I'm telling you, some of these teams in the West do not want to face the Warriors if the Warriors are healthy. Yeah, I agree with that. And also I agree about Wiggins. I think he's a huge key. He missed a lot of time because of injury yep. and illness. And, and, you know, it's just a different team when he's out there. So, since you mentioned Kyrie with Dallas, what do you think about that as far as the team chemistry? I mean, Kyrie adds a lot as far as his playing ability, but now he's kind of, you know, one of those guys who's sort of alienated himself from a couple of teams, go, you know, yep. going on three of them that he's left. Uh, he never seems to be happy. So th- how does that affect Dallas, you think? Well, my, my mom, working in television uh, for many years as a producer, has run into people like that who are talented <laughs> and are box office but very difficult to work with. 
And, you know, he, I think that's not a bad rap to say that with Kyrie, given the last six, seven years track record with him. Uh, you know, basketball-wise, it could work out spectacularly. I mean, they, they double Luka all the time. He still is able to find open men. Uh, he's, he's great at that. But he's, uh, he's going to wear down, even as young as he is. And they, they need, uh, I wouldn't say a Robin to his Batman, but they, they need a dual threat. And, you know, most of the good teams have that. All right. So uh, it, it could, basketball wise, it could be tremendous for a while. But knowing the way Kyrie is, uh, knowing that he has particular wants and needs on the court and off the court, uh, it's not going to be smooth sailing, I don't think. I think that the, there are things that are going to come up that they're going to have to deal with personality wise with him. But. You know, he, he knows that he knows Jason Kidd. He's always admired Jason Kidd. He knows the coaching staff there. So maybe this was a preferred destination for him. And if that's the case, well, he's got no more excuses. He's, he's got a great player to play with in Luca, And he's got, you know, the, the, the staff that he trusts and knows. So all those things being there for him, uh, you know, that it should work out. But, you know, knowing Kyrie... Something's going to come up. <laughs> Probably. You're right. Uh, you know, with LeBron James, uh, he's 36 points away from passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the all-time scoring list now. And he's been in the league for 20 seasons. That's hard to believe. I mean, that that's a long time, 38 years old and still being as productive as he is. Uh, you know, you watched a lot of Kareem in your life, Ray. So how do you compare it? Uh, I, I think a lot of people – Wondered if that record would ever be broken, but you know LeBron came onto the scene and he does it all. Yeah, to to do something like that, you have to stay healthy for a long, long time and be at a level of production for a long, long, long time. Uh, so it really, I mean, it's just a, a testimony to his ability to recover. You know, I I'm not sure how he does it, but he obviously is a workout freak and he's in tremendous shape. Uh, his, and he's mentioned it, his ability to recover from the grind of the NBA night to night and all the dents and things and injuries you might uh, experience. You have to really fight through that and play a lot of games. That's the first thing. Yeah. You've got to play a lot of games, no matter how good you are. Well, he's done that, and he stayed at a very high level. So in that regard, he's remarkable. He shoots the three. He runs the floor. He's, he's still tough to beat going downhill in a fast break. You know, nobody's going to get in the way of that guy. Um, and, you know, the, the fact that at this age, he still looks very much like LeBron in his prime, uh, you know, hats off to him. It's a different type of player in a different type of era than, than Kareem. Kareem made one three in his career. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't remember seeing that one. <laughs> yeah, from, it was a corner three. Yeah. Uh, and, he, so he had to make a lot more buckets uh, in deep and a lot more free throws. So, it, But, you know, with Kareem, he was all defense 11 times. He could run the floor with showtime. We know that. But I, I'm saying this to this day. If there's any player in the history of the game that you had to choose when you absolutely needed a bucket, that was Kareem because he had the most unstoppable shot of all time. He had the moves. And, you know, people say, well, not if he was going up against Akeem, not if he was going up against this guy, that guy. He went up against all the great defensive centers. 
And oh, by the way, going up against the Twin Towers at age 38, he put up 46 and 11. Okay, so <laughs> he was 18 and five against Houston all time. So I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, and there's nobody, nobody who's ever known the history of basketball or has been in the game who rated Hakeem above Kareem. Hakeem was great, 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 but he wasn't better than Kareem. Uh, he's top three all time. You know, LeBron's there, top three all time too, with Michael Jordan, I think. Uh, but different players, different eras. Uh, would Kareem have been more of a three-point shooter in this era? Who knows? I, I think he had the ability to do it. But his game in the block was as good as anybody ever. Uh, and, you know, he played on six championships, six MVPs. Uh, he, he was, as he, he like I say, different, but still up on the same echelon as LeBron. And that's a compliment to LeBron that you're comparing him to Kareem. Yeah, and it's funny because, you know, you don't see players developing that hook, the sky hook. I mean, you see little baby hooks, but you don't see players doing that. You don't see players doing the Rick Barry underhanded free throws, and those are players that were so successful with those shots, yet nobody really wants to do it. Nobody wants to try that. Well, you know, again, different type of game now. They're going for lobs and dunks. Uh, They're they're trying to get the and one. Uh, I think Kareem was just trying to make a basket. Uh, not trying to necessarily induce a foul. And a lot of times these guys are kicking out for the three because the analytics tell you that the open three is, is a better shot. Uh, also, I, I think that generally you have taller, more athletic centers now than when Kareem played. And again, I'll say it, it's hard to compare eras. You put Kareem in this era, he, he would have been one of those spectacular players too because I think he would have the, the knowledge of you know nutrition, workout regimen, and so forth. And listen, what he did was play to age 42, so he obviously knew a lot already. So I think the great ones would have adjusted their game, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, I talked to Kevin McHale about this once, and he said, yeah, yeah, they're, they're guys back then. He did, they didn't shoot threes much. That wasn't part of, the, uh, part of the emphasis on offense. But he believes a lot of those guys, including himself, would have been able to shoot those threes. You know, Bird shot more as he, as he, he went on in his career. Uh, and he was a great shooter from distance when he came into the league. So, you know, when you compare eras, you have to remember that. Great players are great players no matter what. So, uh, yeah, I think the, the, the skyhook would have been tough to defend even nowadays, but I think you had guys who could defend it, who could block those shots nowadays too. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, uh, let's finish up by talking about the Giants pitchers and catchers report next Wednesday the 15th. Hard to believe. Uh, there's yeah. your sign of, of spring right there. Uh, but yeah, for that's me, <laughs> happening around here too, Joe. That's right. I mean, they're going to be coming into the airport when the Super Bowl fans are leaving. So. <laughs> that's right. Everything's happening in your area there in Arizona. <laughs> and, and if I had to pick one area, Ray, and I'm curious what you would say, uh, that I'm concerned with with the Giants, it's defense. I just, I'm just i looking on paper and saying mm-hmm. this might be one of the worst defensive groups that the Giants have had in a long time. And, and that's saying a lot because Brandon Crawford is still a top-notch shortstop. But I look around you know, the infield, and I, I don't see any gold glovers, and even in the outfield. So I, that's my main concern with this team. What about you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at last year and what was the drop-off from the year before that was one of the big reasons. One of the things the Giants always prided themselves on on championship years is that they had it buttoned up defensively. Uh, and they played pretty sound fundamental baseball. 
and you had Panic and you had Crawford and you had Belt, you know, they, and they had good defensive outfielders as well for the most part. But there's one stat that stands out from last year for, for the Giants, and that's the fielding independent pitching ERA. The, 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 the ERA that uh, is assigned to pitchers uh, when you're looking at things they can control, you know, how many bats they miss, their control, right. like that. But it was 3.43, all right? A, an average FIP is 4, <laughs> and 3.43. So what does that tell you? They were doing their job is what that tells you. And you, you had a lot of pitchers on that staff who were ground ball pitchers. The Giants' biggest problem last year was converting ground balls into outs. And uh, to a point where I think uh, over the course of, uh, let's say, 100 ground ball opportunities, they were converting 25 to 30 fewer of those last year. Hmm. Well, that adds up. Yeah. And that creates brain on a pitching staff. That creates more traffic on the bases. Uh, you know, as a result, their, their team ERA was in the middle of the pack. The Dodgers had almost the identical fielding independent uh, ERA, but their team ERA was almost a full run or about a full run lower overall. So their defense was converting outs. The Giants' defense, when the ball was put in play, was not doing as good a job converting outs. So you hit, that, that was what you started with. You hit the nail on the head. Their defense was their Achilles heel, and it put more pressure on the pitching staff, put more pressure on the bullpen, put more pressure on the offense to, to come back and, and produce. And their offense wasn't terrible. It was also middle of the pack. It was, it was about the most 500 of 500 teams you want to see, except for that one thing. Those pitchers were doing their job. And you know, now Rodon's gone, who was their best pitcher, one of the best pitchers in baseball. Uh, you know, I get it for the money. I, I don't know how he's going to do in New York. Uh, he, you know, he's certainly going to be an asset, but he's, uh, he's going to feel the pressure as well. I don't think he's going to be as good. He'll still be pretty darn good, I would imagine, for a few years. But that's what the Giants do, right? They, they revive the careers of pitchers. You know, and, and they line their pocketbooks. They get the bag. Kevin Gosman can tell you about that. So I look at the pitching staff. It's, it looks pretty good. I think, you know, you get uh, Luke Jackson back uh, from Tommy John surgery. I think the bullpen's going to be pretty good. There's going to be a little pressure off of them as well. And they got Taylor Rogers as well. So all in all, pretty good. But Giants fan base is sitting there going, meh. You know, I mean, they didn't get judged. The whole mess with Korea. Uh, and you know, it turns out they were they were right about the ankle, I guess. But you know, Minnesota took them back. But you know, the the question was, why didn't you know about all that? They and and you know, they 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 were not communicating communicating with the fan base, and I think that's why the fans are kind of rebelling right now. And some people defending the Giants are going to say, well, what could they say? You know, there's privacy laws about medical things. Well, you don't have to violate privacy laws to still be upfront with your fan base about what's going on. So the, the fact that they were bridesmaids for, for Aaron Judge, and I never really seriously expected him to come out here, uh, the, the fans, uh, you'd think they were all from Missouri. They're all saying, show me, okay? <laughs> show me why I should get excited about this team this year. So they're going to have to show the fans that they're, they're going to be a little more excitable this year. There's no real star player they got the the last holdout from the championship year is Brandon Crawford, and he's 36 now. Is he going to be able to play every day and play at the same level he used to? I doubt it. He still could be an effective shortstop, but 
there's another part of the defense. And, you know, you got Tyro Estrada, had a nice year at second base, but still didn't hit righties well, so are they, they going to find a lefty bat at second base? Um, you know, the, the Evan Longoria, he, he didn't play all the time, but still a pretty good defensive third baseman. Brandon Belt, gone. Uh, you know, didn't play all the time, but when he did, still a pretty effective defensive first baseman. So I think that's going to be the big problem for them again this year and why I think they're going to struggle to get above 500, especially in that division. Yeah, I, I really think they need some table setters, too, because they have a lot of hitters that can hit the ball out of the ballpark, but they, they're they going to need to have some base runners for those hitters. So, you know, it seems like yeah. in the minor leagues, develop some hitters that can get on base, you know, uh, clog the bases up, and develop more defensive players because, like we said, uh, they don't look strong in, in those areas. But, I mean, certainly they've got – a lot of hitters that can hit the ball out of the ballpark. They, get, they anytime they need a DH, I mean they're okay there. <laughs> they got you yeah. know anybody can can do that and can fill that role. And I think Conforto is going to hit a lot of home runs if he's healthy. He's going to hit a lot of home runs into the bay for the Giants. And Hanniger is a good pickup, but it just I wish they had a couple of guys who were, you know were more the leadoff or number two, the table setter kind of hitter. Right, right. I, I who are they going to go to? Yastrzemski or? or... Yeah, uh, maybe Luis Gonzalez eventually. Luis, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I guess they have some hopes that Lamont Wade will back, bounce back this year as well. Right. I will, in the case of Yastrzemski, uh, no more shift is going to help him. How many ground balls did he hit into a shift last year? True. So, um, I mean, I, I guess that'll help him somewhat. And, and, you know, for the money, I think it was decent to re-sign him. So they have pretty good outfield depth. Uh, Conforto is an X-factor for me, absolutely. If he can return to the form he used to have, I think uh, the lineup will be pretty good. But, yeah, uh, when they're hitting home runs, is there going to be anybody on base? Exactly. That's, that's be a big issue for them. Um, so I don't think they're going to be a bad team. I don't think they're going to be altogether boring. But they're going to have to show the fans and get off to a good start. That's going to be so important for them to get off to a good start going to be tough in that division absolutely ray thanks a lot for the time really appreciate it uh enjoy all of the sports that are going on right now in arizona <laughs> i'm going to the golf course joe i'm staying out of that mess <laughs> good luck with that hopefully you hit it like justin rose did at the at&t everything looks so easy for him oh yeah he was terrific and uh, that was good to see uh and my, my my wrist has healed from last year's disaster so uh, finally getting out there and, and playing again. And, yeah, and I get a real appreciation for pro golfers because, you know, it's, we get tired playing a couple of rounds a week, and these guys are out there grinding four rounds against all kind of weather. I mean, they had the four seasons, as they <laughs> often do at Pebble Beach. So it, it, it's pretty cool to see him win, and uh, I, I expect big things out of him this year. He's 42 now. That, that snuck up on me, but he's still playing at a very high level. Yeah, we can still play at a high level, even at an older age. Ray, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. And uh, hit him straight. I'll do that. I don't know how far, but I'll hit him straight. That's Ray Woodson, former talk show host on CanBR in San Francisco. Join us again next time for another edition of the Sports Virus Podcast. For now, I'm Joe Castellano. Thanks for listening on the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.